As I said, we're working our way through a uh, sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. Today we're going to look at this line, give us today our daily bread. But before we get into the passage itself, um, this, this weekend, Janet and I got away to a cabin for a couple days. So um, we, uh, uh, you know, we, I haven't seen my kids in like 48 hours until this morning when we showed up to church. It was awesome. I mean, I love my kids, but you know. Um, a few months back, we were figuring out how to make this happen, right? Like, how do you leave four kids um, for a weekend? And my suggestion was that we just lock the doors and they'll be fine. I mean, there's plenty of food in the house. How bad could it really go? Janet's suggestion was, let's invite a nice, responsible young couple to come and stay with them for the weekend. So guess what we did? We invited a nice, responsible young couple to stay with them for the weekend. It's one of those tensions in life where you want to prepare your kids to be launched into the world, um, to grow up, be prepared for what comes at them, to make wise decisions, to grow in maturity and capacity to handle things. Um, but if you launch them too soon, the opposite happens, right? You set them up for failure instead of success. You don't prepare them to handle difficulty. You pretty much guarantee that the difficulty handles them, yeah? Uh, the balance can be hard, though. So apparently, ages 3, 7, 8, and 12 is too young to leave alone for 48 hours. So just, that's a note. You can, that one's free. Um, actually, though, I think one of the biggest skills that we're trying to, to build into our kids as we raise them to launch them into the world is to know the difference between a need and a want. Uh, this is part of growing up. It's part of maturity. I mean, think about it. Imagine if I were to like not just hand over our household to my children for a weekend, but imagine if I were to hand over the management of our household to my kids all the time, okay? Kids, here are the credit cards. Uh, here's the bank account. You guys decide what we buy, when we buy it. How would that go? Like, what would we spend our money on? I can tell you what we'd spend our money on. We'd have the greatest mountain bike collection in, on the planet. We would only eat donuts for breakfast and sure thing burger for dinner. We would also have every single American Girl doll accessory ever made. I'll tell you what wouldn't happen. We would never pay our mortgage. We wouldn't have health insurance. There'd be no maintenance done on the house, which wouldn't matter because we'd soon be homeless anyway, right? Because how boring is that kind of stuff? Um, and even when I put it exactly like that, I'm sure that some of my kids would be like, yeah, exactly. What's the problem? Let's be homeless and have the best mountain bikes on the planet. Um, kids have not developed that skill of distinguishing well between true needs and wants. That's part of growing up. That's part of what we build into them. But here's the thing. No matter how old we get, we are all still God's kids, all right? And we can grow very savvy and very mature in business, and we can grow very savvy and mature in social settings, and very savvy in adulting in all kinds of ways, and we can still remain very kid-like in our faith. Mature in the world, but infants in following Jesus. And I don't mean childlike in faith and trust, which is what Jesus wants us to be. I mean the childlike in maturity, like valuing the wrong things, misprioritizing the important spiritual things. But Jesus wants to change that. Jesus wants us to grow up. 
He wants us to mature in godliness. He wants us to mature in wisdom and not just asset management or networking. And one of the key places that Jesus sets out to grow us up into him, grow us up in maturity in Christ, is in this prayer that he teaches us to pray. It's a framework for growing our lives into who he wants us to be, to praying our lives into a relationship with him. Let me read it for us again this morning. It's in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. In our little sermon series, through this prayer, we've come to actually an important transition point in the prayer, this is the halfway mark of what Jesus teaches us to pray. Jesus teaches us to begin our praying with pronouns about God. So he says, pray your name, your kingdom, your will. And only after that does he move us towards pronouns about ourselves. He says, give us today our bread, forgive our debts, lead us and deliver us. Now, this is on purpose. Jesus structures this prayer this way on purpose because this order of the prayer begins over time as we say it again and again together. It shapes our view and our understanding of reality. It helps us see the way things really are in the world. And that is this. God is first and we are second. We are not the center of the world. God is. And we get to live in his world. We are not the main character in our story. God is, but we get to be in his story. See, what this prayer does is it draws our little lives up into his big life and his big kingdom and his big story for the world. And by doing this, by putting us second, Jesus doesn't belittle us, but he actually makes our life bigger than it would be otherwise. He he fulfills us in ways we would never be fulfilled otherwise. Your life is far bigger and better and wider and deeper and richer and more fulfilled when it's lived in God's story and not just your own. When it's lived in reference to his glory and his kingdom. That is where real life is. In a living, dynamic, intimate relationship with the author of life himself. And that's what this prayer teaches. So as we bring every detail of life and every experience of life up into the heart of God in this powerful prayer, the first thing Jesus teaches us to pray about ourselves when he moves to the us pronouns is to, the first thing he teaches us to be reoriented and renewed and refreshed and redeemed by God is this, give us this day, today, our daily bread. St. Augustine's great insight to this point, this line in the prayer is um, that this is a prayer specifically for our necessities in life and not our luxuries in life. Now, to ask God, this is a prayer to ask God for the things we need, not necessarily all the things we want. Now, just to be clear, there's nothing at all wrong with asking God for the things you want. Okay, I hope you do that regularly. I hope you do that every day. That's not just what this prayer teaches, right? This prayer teaches us to ask God for what we need first, not what we 
want first. So here's the question. Do you know what you truly need? Do you know what you need the most? Are you growing up in grace? Are you maturing in your faith so that you can tell the difference, right? Or are you still an infant in following Jesus? Do you, do you know what keeps you alive spiritually? What keeps you safe spiritually? The foundation and the lifeblood of what you need to thrive in God's world as his child living in his kingdom. If all of us in this room are honest with ourselves, we have to admit that we just don't know what's best for us lots of the times, right? Like, it'd be like my kids saying, okay, fine, Dad, you're right. Have the credit card back. Go pay the mortgage. How boring, right? We, we just, we'd buy the mountain bike. We don't know what's best for us most of the time. But God always knows what's best for us all of the time. All right, our Heavenly Father, the one that this prayer is addressed to, he can perfectly distinguish between our needs and our wants. He can perfectly navigate between difficulty in life that destroys us and difficulty in life that causes us to grow up in him by needing him more, which is always good for us. So when Jesus teaches us to pray for bread, the simplest necessity, one thing he's training our hearts and our minds to do is to rely on God for the most important things in life first, to trust God above our own perception, to give us exactly what we need when we need it. This is what Jesus is teaching us to pray this morning. Give us today our daily bread, so simple, but so wide-ranging. This is a little line that just brings up and includes almost all of life, excuse me. And I want to split it up this way. This short request it shows us two things to pray for, and then it shows us two things that this prayer forms in us, all right? So two needs to pray for and two necessities God forms in us when we pray it. So to start, most obviously, we're praying for bread. What does this mean? When Jesus asks us to pray for daily bread, he's literally asking us to pray for our daily meals, right? I mean, when you sit down for breakfast, literally your most basic necessities, ask God for them. Thank God for them. Uh, the food you eat, you need to stay alive. The roof over your head, the, the heart that keeps the blood flowing in your body, start there. Nothing is too mundane for God. Nothing is too simple or basic for the, the provision and God's generosity. Ask for everything. But second, as we dive deeper into this request, uh, Martin Luther actually pointed out that bread is also sort of a stand-in for the whole system and the whole process that brings food to our table in the first place. So when, when we pray for bread, we're praying at the same time, he says, for everything necessary for the preservation of this life. Food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. And that God may preserve us from all sorts of calamities, sickness, pestilence, hard times, war, revolution, and the like. He packs all of that into bread, praying for bread. Another theologian put it like this, this is the political economic prayer, right? So we're asking the Father to attend to and to sustain the whole process, the whole system for the preservation of life. So in this way, when we ask God for our daily bread, we're also asking God to sustain us in the vocations that he has sent us out into the world to do. 
In the, in the Garden of Eden, at the very beginning, he says, you know, organize, cultivate, and beautify my world and expand it to every corner of creation. And that calling, that vocation, is still true. So as we live into that vocation, as we contribute to the beautifying and the organizing and the cultivating of life, we're asking God to sustain us and empower us to live that out. This is a prayer for all that goes in to sustaining and healing life. And of course, it's a prayer for what we need to be spiritually healthy as well, not just physically healthy. This is a prayer for our spiritual bread. So before Jesus began his ministry, he was led by Satan into the wilderness for 40 days where he didn't eat any food at all. And in one of the great understatements of the whole Bible, after 40 days without food in Matthew 4, it simply says he was hungry. Okay, yeah, you think? He was hungry after 40 days. In his hunger and in his weakness, Satan comes to him and tempts him to take a path of power separate than the one God his father had laid out for him. It was a replay of the first temptation scene in the Garden of Eden, but where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus was obedient. So Satan suggests Jesus simply turn a stone or two into bread to relieve his aching tummy. Like, what harm could there be in that? And in reply, you guys might know this famous line, Jesus quotes the Old Testament and says to his tempter, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And right there, Jesus invested in this little prayer a whole new world of meaning. When we ask God for our daily bread, we're also asking him um, to, to help us live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Even without physical bread, Jesus feasted on the words of his father. They, they were his life and his joy and his hope. Jesus lived the most fully human life that has ever been lived. There's never been a more complete, thrilling, fulfilled human life than Jesus' life. And yet, at the end of it, he didn't have any money. He died homeless. He died friendless, right? His social network totally collapsed on him at the end. There were a handful of women and the Apostle John looking at him dying on the cross. And yet, he lived the richest human life, the most full human life imaginable. He didn't have the stuff we think we need, but he had the words of God. He had the promises of his father flowing through his veins constantly. He had the joy of his father poured out from heaven. He had his father's voice, his father's will, his father's pleasure. He didn't live on bread alone, but on every word that came from the mouth of God. And that's the bread Jesus teaches us to ask for as well. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're asking God to sustain us with every word that comes from his mouth, every word of the Bible. We're asking to be people soaked in scripture, inspired and convicted and comforted by his word. We're asking God to get his promises down into our bones so that our lives can be lived with reference to him and his kingdom amidst all the swirling concerns of our culture, and our world. This is what we're asking God for in this prayer. We're asking God to give us this necessity far before he gives us any other luxury. Are you ready to pray this prayer? It's simple. But do you hear the power 
and, and that profound thing you're asking God to do. Give me your word long before you give me any of these other luxuries I think I need in life. Are you prepared to pray that? Do you dare pray that? Because he might just give it to you, right? Specifically, we're also asking God to give us more of the one who declared himself the bread of life. In John 6, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Later in that same chapter, he says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So as we trace this single word bread in this prayer, we realize Jesus is actually showing us the way to receive the things that we most deeply need, whether we realize it or not. We may enjoy all the toys, all the adventures, all the experiences this world have to offer. Heck, you may eat Sure Thing Burger every single day of your life. I hope you don't. Please don't do that. But without this bread, we're homeless. Without this bread, we're hungry, we're starving, we're lost. Jesus is the food our souls are longing for. Do you pray for more of him in your life? Do, do you beg God to give you a deeper experience and delight of the one thing you need the most, Jesus Christ? Jesus teaches us to ask God that, for that which we need most in life, bread for our bodies and bread for our souls. And he also teaches us to ask for another thing. Just like you eat three square meals a day, the need for the words of God, the need for Jesus as the bread of life is a daily need. This is a daily hunger. And so he teaches us to ask, give us today, this day, our daily bread. I'm reminded of Lamentations 3, where um, the author writes this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I wonder how many of us are doing spiritually what we would never in our lives do physically, living off yesterday's meal, okay? Now, I never do this. Um, would you ever catch yourself saying, oh, do you remember the good old days when our bellies were full? Do you, do you remember that really good season of life where we were like eating meals every single day and we were satisfied? Man, remember that? Those were the gold, that was the golden era. These days, I mean, obviously, like between the kids' schedules and work and all the Netflix shows I have to watch, like I can't get all the meals in that I really want to. But do you remember the, the good old days? We would never say that about food, would we? I mean, I eat like five meals a day. Like before my, my stomach is, is even slightly hungry, I'm onto my afternoon snack. We would never do that physically. But are we doing that spiritually? Are we doing that spiritually? Are we living off last year's spiritual capital? Are, are many of us living off our childhood experience with Jesus, maybe our conversion experience? How many of us are riding the coattails of a friend or a spouse or a pastor's personal experience with God, but not having one of our own? You were meant to receive fresh gifts of God's presence today. And then you're meant to receive fresh gifts of God's presence tomorrow. And 
it, those are there waiting for you. God has them for you every single day. You do not have to go hungry. You were not designed to go hungry. His gifts, his mercies are new every morning. Take and eat today. Taste and see that the Lord is good today. Enjoy Jesus today. Don't wait. Pause in your busy schedule and pray like this. Jesus, my life feels like chaos sometimes. There are so many noises, so many distractions, so many tugs and pulls on my heart. Give me today the thing I need most in the world, your grace, your love, your promises, your word. Provide for me. Give me what you've promised you will give me, your presence with me wherever I go. I need it more than anything else. I don't feel like I do, but I do. Give me today my daily bread. And as we pray for this bread, Jesus will be forming certain things in us. Prayer is not just getting what we ask for from God. It's also a way that Jesus shapes us and forms us to live lives that reflect God. So if these are the two things that Jesus teaches us to pray for, bread today, these are the two ways we're formed while we pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Here's the first one. In those simple words, us and our, God grows our solidarity uh, with um, others around the world. Okay, so pronouns in this prayer, as we've said, are important. We already noticed that at this petition, halfway through the prayer, we moved from you and your language to us and our language. But it's also important to note we didn't move all the way to me and my language, did we? Um, to pray this prayer, Jesus teaches us is a communal prayer. It's a family prayer. It's a corporate prayer that includes our brothers and sisters around the world. So to pray, give us this day our daily bread, it not only is a prayer for our own tummies and our own families and our own spiritual health, but it's also to pray for those around the world who are also hungry. This is a prayer of solidarity with those who live with far, far less than we do. This is a social prayer. It's a prayer that forms our spiritual instinct to look for those around us in need. There's a Latin American prayer, kind of a, an old traditional prayer in Latin America that, that says this, O oh God, to those who have hunger, give bread. And to those who have bread, give the hunger for justice. That's what this prayer is getting at. Give us our bread. Jesus teaches us to pray to be filled and that we would also at the same time grow in hunger and the two grow together. This prayer unifies God's people. It binds us up into our common need. And I have found that the poor and the rich alike are both deeply hungry. That just often looks different ways, doesn't it? Um, how might you pray for and live for your brothers and sisters who are hungry all around you? How might you live into the solidarity Jesus teaches us to pray here? Jesus forms compassion and mercy in us as we pray this prayer. But lastly, this short, powerful prayer where every word is a world of meaning forms in us a, de a deep gratitude and a deep thankfulness for God's great generosity. The last word I want us to zero in on is the first word of the prayer, 
give. Give us. It's a prayer of need. It's a prayer that recognizes we cannot actually produce what we need on our own. We're dependent on one another, and we're deeply dependent on God. So even though, even though we live between Independence Pass and the town formerly known as Defiance, Colorado, okay, even though this is the area we live and it's the spirit of our age, we are not independent. We are not, we are not independent operators in this world. And as much as we are defiant against our God and our King and our Father, we don't injure Him. We only injure ourselves. This is a prayer that recognizes all things come from God. What do you have that you have not received? That's how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 4. What do you have that you've not received? Everything in life is a gift. Everything. G.K. Chesterton, uh, an old British kind of curmudgeon theologian guy, uh, put it like this. He said, you say grace before meals. All right. I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and the pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching and painting and swimming and fencing and boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. All of life is a gift. Imagine walking through your day. We're going to close with this. Imagine this. Imagine walking through your day with the expectation that God has good things waiting for you, in store for you, gifts to give to you around every single corner. That every experience, every interaction, everything, every person is potentially a gift from God. That um, every, uh, every breeze or sunset or change in color in the trees or cloud moving across the summer sky is a gift from your Heavenly Father. What if every experience in your life, even the hard ones, even the frustrating ones, was interpreted and felt as a gift from heaven. I have something here for you. This will help you. This will guide you. This will grow you closer to me. What if we gave God that kind of benefit of the doubt? What do you have that you have not received? This is exactly how the Bible teaches us to walk through life, the posture of gratitude that this prayer is forming in us as we pray it together. This is a powerful little prayer. Seven words that draw in a whole world of need and hunger, longing, but also establishes a whole world of generosity and unity and satisfaction in God. So would you, as we close, dare to pray this prayer with me? Be careful. God might give you exactly what you ask for as we pray this prayer together. Would you join me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.